0: Hello, and welcome to episode 548 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always, joined by Evan Silva. And with the draft, the NFL draft, just one week away, we have a very, very special guest. This is a young man who's been covering the NFL seemingly forever, longtime radio voice, longtime draft analyst. You can see him on NFL Network. You can read him on NFL.com. It is, of course, the one and only Lance Zierling of NFL dot com and nfl media lance thanks for doing the show how's it going
1: yeah it's going good guys what's going on you
2: establishing the run
0: yes uh, my lo- my location on twitter is officially between the tackles so that's how you know that i'm establishing <laughs> establishing the run we
2: were also the highest uh, site on the in-, in the industry on damian pierce uh last year well some of us were <laughs> but, uh, yeah we're definitely establishing the run out, out here in these streets yeah you got to
1: get physical man you got to have a physical run you can't be a slasher at some point you got to Drop the pads and finish.
0: Oh, right. my God. Evan is just throwing me under the bus after no, I was... it's
2: not you. Uh, it's Leonie.
0: No, no. I thought Damian Pierce in the fifth round was too high. I thought it was too okay. high. Anyways, okay. on today's show... We're, this is a forward-thinking show. On today's show, we're going to talk all things NFL draft with Lance, the rumors, the prospects, connections to team, and, of course, the Texans hold the key to the draft, I think. And number two overall, we'll cover them in detail as they are, in fact, Lance's hometown team. All right, Lance, Uh, it seems like a foregone conclusion at this point. I don't know if you look at the betting markets at all, but we're out to like minus 1100, minus 1400 on Bryce Young to be number one pick overall to the Panthers. Is that what you are hearing the Panthers will do as well? Or is there still room there for someone else to sneak in? Or maybe is there room for the Panthers to do something crazy? Or do you think this is just all Bryce Young all the time at number one overall?
1: Well, I think the only way anyone makes a trade with them is is to get Bryce Young. So, I, I, you know, if you want to say Bryce Young to the Panthers, okay, that's a little more specific. But if you want to say Bryce Young won, yeah, I think it's going to be Bryce Young won. I mean, I think the Texans would love to have Bryce Young, and, and if he's not going to be there, then they've got a decision to make. And, and Carolina, I think, is – I don't believe that this is all smoke. I do believe that Carolina is is preparing their, their – fan base and everything to go get your whatever your negatives you want to say, go get them out and then go find the positives and and rally around this draft pick. So I think it's gonna be um I think it's gonna be Bryce Young. Yeah, I think I think they're locked in. I,
0: I gotta ask you, if I was the Panthers and I actually wanted CJ Stroud, this is the playbook that I would run. I would go tell everyone that I wanted Bryce Young yeah. and, and force the Texans or someone else to trade up. I, I'm curious, you're obviously involved in a lot of these rumors and draft stuff why would anyone tell the truth? And how do you, when people tell you stuff, how do you discern whether it's true or they're just trying to use you to uh, increase their trade leverage?
1: Well, you know, for me, I, I I don't really, I mostly work with people I've I've done stuff with a lot in the past, people I consider to be friends with. So I don't really, I've never really felt used on anything. And I mean, I've been able to tell when I have heard something that was suspicious, like, you know, the job, the, some of the, the Josh Allen to, uh, you know, if anyone says you should put that out there that's for sure, a sign that, okay, this is absolutely not true. So, um, and I don't, you know, my, my credibility and, and my integrity, I just, I, they're just not going to be for sale. So I don't help. I don't help any agents with any of this stuff. They already know that with me, so they don't, they don't try that. But, um, I do think the point you make is a good one. If you, if you like CJ Stroud and you have a good handle that, that Bryce Young is a guy the Texans want, then you would play this up, play this up, play this up. But then it's hard to, you know, you have to be careful about overplaying your hand because if you tell the Texans, okay, well, like the Texans are, I don't know that the Texans will make, would make a trade. You couldn't ask for too much. And if you moved anywhere beyond number two, you'd run the risk of not being able to get your guy. So really the only trick up your sleeve, is making the Texans believe you want Bryce Young, You know which is possible, which maybe you could get for them to bite on Bryce Young. And if they don't, they surprise everyone, go C.J. Stroud, and then the Texans run the card up for Bryce Young. I mean, to me, you you literally just scream out Bryce Young and you're done. As soon as they say C.J. Stroud, say Bryce Young, and then the draft goes faster. We don't have to wait. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Bryce Young's is going to be the guy because I think the rumors about the owner really liking uh, Bryce Young. And I, I think that's a real thing. And, and Bryce Young, frankly, is safer. I mean, he's not safer from a size standpoint, but the tape is much safer.
2: Yeah. Um, as to, like, Lance's, like, credibility or, you know, usability, like, by NFL teams, like, your dad was a longtime offensive line coach in the league, right? So you grew up around it. So you kind of get how the whole thing works, right?
1: Yeah, and uh, you know, I was, I was, I met Alonzo Highsmith, who was the assistant GM over there. Or I can't remember his exact title with uh with John, um, John, uh, oh, what's his name? Who came over from the from the Green Bay Pack to from Kansas City over to the to the Browns? Yeah, Dorsey. Man, John Dorsey. Dorsey. Yeah, yeah, thanks. lead So John Dorsey. So Alonzo went over there from Green Bay. Then he went and worked with uh, John Schneider in Seattle. Zoe is a guy I met in '97, I think, '98. So I've known him for years and, and learned a lot under him. Uh, Chris Ballard was a scout for the Bears here in the Houston area, used to just listen to my radio show. I met him in 2004. Um, so I've been friends with Chris for about 18 years. And, uh, you know, a lot of other guys I'm not, I don't really want to mention, but some coaches. Uh, some other personnel guys who live in Houston, who still live in Houston, some who used to live in Houston, and then they've introduced me to other guys as well. So I'll talk to GMs, assistant GMs, um, personnel people, uh, agents. Some agents are full of it, and some agents are very Mm -hmm. honest. And you can tell the difference really quickly. And um, I think from a credibility standpoint, I've got credibility. Now, there's a difference between coming with information and and trying to – connect the dots. And so my mock draft that got all the attention where I had the Texans taking, uh, skipping on CJ Stroud and taking Tyree Wilson, you know, I, I didn't have inside information. A lot of people just assume I did and maybe tried to tail me on that one. But it was just putting two and two together. You know, I heard the I heard the rumors like everyone about uh, S2 scores for mm-hmm. CJ Stroud. What I didn't realize is the Texans don't subscribe to S2. They've got something else they use. Uh, but I took that, I took Bobby Slowick from San Francisco, who's a new offense coordinator, and tried to, you know, run through scenarios of what he might want out of a quarterback, what his uh, philosophy based on being over there with Kyle Shanahan might be. Um, I I worked with the idea that David Mulligetta from Athletes First had Deshaun Watson, and that didn't end so well for the Texans. And he has C.J. Stroud, so maybe that would play a part with the Houston Texans. And as I'm piecing all this for my draft together, I'm like, man, my mock draft would be so much easier if I just put C.J. Stroud at two and I can just start the dominoes fall easy. But I said, you know what? Drafts don't usually go like you think they're going to go. So let me go ahead and throw this wrinkle in here because I think there's a chance they might not take them. And once I did that, then I had to decide between – who would fit D'Amico Ryan's best, Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson? And I don't know how NFL teams think. I know they love length. I love I know they love coachable upside. There's a belief that Will Anderson, you know, is who he's gonna be coming out after having Nick Saban as a coach. So you think, okay, not a lot of growth for for Will Anderson. He's gonna be a good player, a safer floor. But would the Texans look for the more explosive player with the with the longer arms and and more traits. And so I just decided, you know what, I'm going to do something that's going to piss everyone off because it looks way different. And I'm going to pass on CJ Stroud. And then I'm going to pass on Will Anderson and I'm going to go Tyree Wilson. I just put that together through football knowledge, knowledge of where guys come from who are decision makers. And then, and then I let the chips fall where they may. And it, and it really created a ripple effect for me to consider for the rest of the draft, and I realized how messy this draft could get if C.J. Stroud doesn't go too. And then wouldn't you know it, you know, all of a sudden I had a GM call me and tell me, hey, I saw your mock. It's way closer to reality than people realize, even though you're getting crap for it. And then I had an agent call me, um, I guess it was uh, earlier this week, or, or no, no, it was uh, late last week who told me, you're you're definitely on – the CJ Stroud thing. He said I would a hundred percent. And then I got some more confirmation. So unless Nick is playing the game of, of make you believe we don't want CJ Stroud, make you believe it, make you believe it. And then he ends up taking CJ Stroud. Now the, I just don't know why you would do that though. Unless like the only people trading up to two are probably coming for CJ Stroud. So I don't really see what the, You know, I don't really see what the benefit would be unless you wanted to see what's out there. And you said, we like C.J. Stroud, but we don't like him enough to pass up on a great trade deal. So I would tell people, for people who are just bailing on C.J. Stroud at two because I've said things or whatever, hey, the Texans absolutely could be putting that out there. I didn't get that from anybody with the Texans, but I've seen Peter King has had something. I know Adam Schefter and some others. Um, There's a chance that maybe – you know, the Texans say, hey, let's let us let that ride and let's see if anyone will come up and give us a lion share because we're willing to trade back because we got an offense that we think can work with a wide variety of quarterbacks. But um, my guess is they try to figure out a way if they can trade. But if the owner comes in and says, sorry, guys, I want a quarterback. I don't want to deal yeah. with this anymore. Let's get a quarterback. Then that's what's going to happen.
0: Uh, I, I think – that there is a ton of steam on Texans won't take a quarterback at two from a lot of different places. As you mentioned, I'm just not sure I buy it. How often are you picking in the top two of right. an NFL draft and have reasonable quarterbacks at the top? But could I guess they
2: use 12 to, to come up and get right. their quarterback, you know, a few picks later?
0: And that's what I'm going to say. The Texans are in a unique situation because they also have the 12 pick. And so right. they can pass on there at two and still come back and get a quarterback. Do you think that's a plan. Assuming they pass on quarterback at two, what do you think the Texans? So let me lay out some well?
1: contingencies. In my mock draft, that's what I did, Evan. I said, man, you can't come out of here without a quarterback. So I moved up to seven with uh, the Raiders, and I took Will Levis at seven. And then it was just a just. Dis- I was trying to figure out, okay, Will Levis versus <clears throat> Anthony Richardson, but I went with Levis because he had a year under Liam Cohen in 2021 as a play caller who has uh, he worked with the Rams and that same kind of offense. Um, and so, you know, I just figured, okay, he's going to, Levis is going to know some of the terminology, some of the passing concept he's played in a pro passing, uh, style attack. So he's, he'd be more ready if you needed to play him right now, um, than Anthony Richardson. And so that's the only reason I went Levis over Richardson. It wasn't, I don't have knowledge that the Texans like him better. I just thought he's more of a fit in that scheme, um, and he has a little bit more of a background. The problem that I ran into there, Evan, is that when I when somebody I had somebody in the league, I was discussing that and he said, I think you're I think you could be onto something here. He said, The problem is why would you not just trade back from two, keep your 12, add a draft pick, and then take a quarterback at seven? Why would you not let the Raiders come up? And I said, you know, it's perfectly I could see the Raiders going seven to two and then the Texans taking a quarterback at seven. Cause now the Raiders were trying to
2: come up to one, right? The Raiders. Yeah, were, I, yeah. That was the
1: rumor. That yeah. was the rumor. So, um, and so, you know, the trade back scenario might be, and it looks like it is more, uh, you know, more in line. Now, one thing that you could also do is draft whoever you want second, you know, and then draft your, your quarterback third or draft your quarterback second and then draft either Anderson or Tyree Wilson, for example, if you, you know, if you wanted those guys defensively, you could trade from 12 up to three, you have firepower in next year's mm-hmm. draft, like Arizona needs draft picks. So you could say, look, we'll give you um, our first next year and maybe, you know, a fourth this year. And we want to move from 12 to three or maybe a third this year and move 12 to three. So you could get really aggressive and try to get picks number two and three or even two and five.
0: Yeah. I, you mentioned the owner situation. I think a lot of best laid plans can go amok if an owner steps in, right? We know what the team wants. We know what the team needs. We know what the scouts like, et cetera, et cetera. Owner stepping in and putting his foot down, which has been known to happen is certainly possible in your experience. How much are the owners involved in the NFL draft selection process?
1: Not that much. Not in the past. They have it. The wild card now is, you know, the rumors are the wife is much more involved, which I actually don't think is a bad thing. I think Cal McNair's wife is really sharp. Um, and I think Cal sometimes has been stepped on by people around him who have taken advantage of him since his dad, who owned the team, Bob McNair, passed away. I think it's, it's been people have just made power plays over there and it's really hurt the team. Um, they could become more uh, – from what I understand, they are more involved now. Now, does that extend into getting their hands – in place where Nick Casario and, and, and first year head coach D'Amico Ryans are kind of running things. I don't know if they would do that, but if, you know, I've heard that the building split on CJ Stroud. So it's not like there's no CJ Stroud Mm -hmm. juice there. There absolutely is. You know, I think the real question here is, you know, logically what Evan brings up makes sense. You can't just assume you're going to be terrible next year. You can win six games and all of a sudden, I don't care how many first round picks you have. If the team number one and team number two, need quarterbacks they're not trading their picks yep. so you know you'd almost have to be a two win three win maybe four win team to have a shot at the two guys that everyone assumed Drake May and Caleb Williams but you know also Quinn Ewers had a really good spring practice Quinn Ewers is a guy with a lot of talent quarterbacks always pop up out of nowhere sure. so we're going to have other quarterbacks pop up it always happens like that no one saw Joe Burrow coming up like that no one saw Kyler Murray being the first pick uh Baker Mayfield was not considered a first pick material when he ended up being the first pick, not before the season at least. And uh I would argue that, you know, um Trevor Lawrence, we all knew about that that was going to be a lock, but um Anthony Richardson was not viewed that way coming into the season. And so, you know, Will Levis was the guy. It was supposed to be Will Levis and Stroud and, and Bryce Young were the guys. So, mm-hmm. but once you if you have the second pick and you don't fire there, man, yeah. You know, you better have a plan at some point to move up or to go trade for a guy like Trey Lance off another roster or Mac Jones off another roster. And even then, you're getting someone else's discards and you're gonna have to hope that you can do more with them than the other team did.
0: Okay. Let's move off the Houston stuff for a second here. I want to get your take on Bijan Robinson. It, it feels to me like the NFL has had a seismic shift. And you know, we we mockingly name the site, establish the run, because obviously we think that is a less efficient way to play football to really run the ball a ton. From a team building perspective, I think the NFL has realized Due to salary cap constraints and how replaceable running backs are, that they are not very valuable, we saw really good prospects like Jonathan Taylor and Brees Hall go in round two. What do you think about how the NFL views the NFL NFL views the running back position now, and where do you think Bijan ends up going in this draft? Well, Bijan's going to go into
1: first. Um, I think he goes inside the first twenty picks. Is the heat that I'm getting from from people who there's some people who believe he could go inside the first like you know 13 14 picks in that obviously he wouldn't go to the jets i don't believe the texans would draft them you could consider him with the absolutely with the titans at 11 mm-hmm. you know the problem is and i understand the analytical argument and it's certainly it's certainly backed by historical data i mean there's no doubt about that I, I i recognize that And as a fan of outside zone scheme teams um you can find running backs if they just if they know how to play and if they you know, one cut guys who are courageous and have good vision and some burst. you can be a one cut back. I think the big difference though, to me, and I've had this discussion with some analytics directors who they, they frankly think my, my viewpoint here is, is solid teams who are really good teams who have two draft picks in the first round. These are teams that may benefit from having a running back um, drafted in the first, cause you get not only the fifth year, but you get dibs on, the franchise tag, which is not a penal tag in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So would you rather have Bijan for four years? And then you're having to decide on a second contract where he still is in his prime. And we've seen second contracts have been big problems for running backs. Or would you rather have Bijan Robinson for a minimum of six years, maybe even as many as seven years, and then let him walk after that? I, I kind of like the idea of taking, if the running back is you know, special, and I think Bijan has a chance to be special, I kind of like the idea of taking a back for in the first round and realizing I can get seven years out of this running back. I mean, it's, it's possible that I could do a seven-year deal basically with, with first contract fifth-year option, two franchise tags. And now I've got a guy all the way up until age 28 or 29, and then I can let him walk after that. And I have not put myself on the line for for you know, a, a big, long second contract. It's just been a series of one-year deals at five, six, and seven. So I'd be interested to see if the NFL starts to change their opinion on, on only certain types of backs. And it has to be three down backs who score touchdowns, who catch the ball, like very rare – I I, see. I thought that back. I, I thought that back was, was also, um, Travis Etienne. I thought Etienne had that kind of, he got hurt, but I thought Travis Etienne had that same thing. And, um, I really liked him as a pass catcher. Um, but like a Jameer Gibbs, I wouldn't waste a fifth year option on Jameer Mm -hmm. Gibbs. He's going to be more of just a pass catching guy like Alvin Kamara was. So let's see what looks like, what he looks like as a second round pick and, and let's, uh, you know, let's let's use him in an Alva Kamara role and let's make a decision. And if we have to move on from him, we move on from him.
2: So two two contextual aspects that I think are working in the favor of Bijan B- Robinson. I, I don't know where you put him in your in your latest mock. I had him eight to the Falcons um in in, in mine. Uh is that, that this draft is especially weak at the skill positions. You know, the wide receivers aren't very strong. Obviously the tight ends are pretty good, but the you know, there's a big drop-off after Bijan. Uh, at at running back, and I think the quarterbacks are suspect after Bryce Young, who's five ten, um and also that teams can convince themselves that Bijan is an all-purpose playmaker, not just a running back, and then he could be just a difference maker for them on offense, sort of like Christian McCaffrey, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think those are two aspects that are going to help him, like when the actual draft starts, for sure. Well, I, I'll go a step
1: further. I'll say it's a it's a bad draft. I yeah. mean, in general. You don't have a true, I don't believe you have a true top 10 offensive tackle. Um, You don't have, you have two quarterbacks who are at the top. The other two are big, you know, high ceiling, low floor guys. So that's a consideration. I think one of those quarterbacks is going to slide absolutely into the teens and maybe even into the twenties. As you mentioned, it's not a great wide receiver year. I don't think there's a true wide receiver one. That's really, you plug into a wide receiver one spot. On an NFL team. I think they're complimentary wide receivers. And then you look at defensive tackle. You have Jalen Carter that has his own character issues that you, you know, you question. A 280-pound defensive tackle on Kalijah Cansey. So now, you know, it's not a great offensive tackle draft. It's not a good running back draft. We may not see a linebacker going to first round. Brian Branch is the only quote unquote safety that could go into first, and he's more of a nickel. I mean, some of the there's just a lot of positions that don't have a stacking of players that figure to go early. I think cornerback is going to get drafted. I think, you know, obviously tight ends could, could see as many as three in the first round. So to that point, Evan, well, man, this is a good football player. Who's clearly the number one running back and it's not close. Would you rather have a really good player would you rather take a chance on would you, Do you just want to follow the analytical pattern of, well, there's not as much value at running back. I just want good football players. And for some teams, you need to build out rosters. I totally get it. But if the Eagles took them at 10, I mean, all they're basically doing is saying we're, we're putting a, another bullet in the chamber is what we're doing. If, if the Tennessee Titans did it, they're basically saying we love what Derrick Henry did, so we want to go get another guy and we're going to move Derrick Henry mm-hmm. and get a draft pick for him and we're going to continue to try to play you know, I, I don't think they would draft running back in the first, personally. But I do think there's some interesting targets and spots. And you just mentioned Atlanta. Hey, that division sucks. Why can't Atlanta be the top dog in the oh. NFC South, you know? And, and having a running back make things easier on on Desmond Ritter, all of a sudden, if you have a good running game, Desmond Ritter's job gets way easier. And you're on a third-round rookie contract. That is way easier to build around financially with free agents as well. So, Interesting. I think he's really hard to project where he goes. You can easily go all the way to like, you know, Buffalo or Minnesota if they want to get rid of Dalvin Cook or Buffalo trading up to Minnesota like I did. Or you could legitimately make a point at at eight or ten. say hey man this guy's one of the top four players in the draft why don't we why don't we just take a good football player
0: yeah i I think the counter argument would be listen tyler algier and the falcons ran the ball incredibly well last year and that was with a sixth round rookie or whatever algier was you know and you can get guys like that that lay fit famously anyways we're not here to belabor the running back point i am curious though about players who maybe the nfl feels differently than the public does i mean i can't even mention Anthony Richardson's freaking name without people barking down my throat that this guy is trash. He's going to be horrible in the NFL. NFL clearly thinks differently. This guy is probably going to go in the top 10. And Will Levis, too. People hate Will Levis, Lance. I mean, you can't say much good things about Will Levis without people getting all up in arms, also. What do you think about that dichotomy there between the NFL and the public and any other players that come to mind that maybe the NFL thinks differently about than the public does?
1: Well, okay. Let me just say this. I'm not sure if the NFL thinks that much differently about Will Levis. <laughs> Than, than some of the general public, but except for the fact that I know how much the general public hates Will Levis, like he T-boned them and he has no insurance. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's it's weird. It's a very I think Will Levis is a second round quarterback, but um, it's very strange to see the way people act. Like look, I thought Josh Allen was kind of a almost a second round quarterback as well. You can you can not want your team to draft somebody, but the way that people are going about the Will Levis thing, like, dude, this guy's got talent. He's got arm talent. He's got ability. I don't know if he's going to be a good NFL quarterback, but he's got the, the, he's got the ingredients to be a good quarterback. So, I, you know, I'd slow your roll on all this hate. And it's, let's face it, he doesn't have a good mixtape. Anthony Richardson's got a good mixtape. Everyone can use the same thing. The long We've all seen him. The long LSU run, the play against Tennessee where he's darting left and right, left and right in the pocket Ooh. with the shot from behind, and then he makes the throw to the right. He's got the rollout against, I think it's Missouri or Vandy, where he throws a dime in the end zone for a touchdown. We've all seen the same plays. The problem is I've seen the rest of the tape, yeah. and it's not good. So for Anthony Richardson, he and Levis Tamir are in the same category. They they both have the potential to be they're, – they're much more physically talented than Stroud and Bryce Young, but their games are nowhere near those guys in terms of consistency. So, um, But, yes, it's – I think – Richardson is really helped by the success of Jalen Hurts uh, more than anybody. And then Will Levis, you know, Will Levis is a guy who NFL teams say he played through three injuries this year. He played through them physically, tough, gutted his way through them. He had a bad offensive line. He didn't have good wide receivers, although I take some issue with that. I think he's got a pretty good wide receiver that went back to Kentucky that we'll hear about next year. And, um, you know, Levis was much better in 21 under Liam Cohen, who, you know, really ran a good pro style offense that, that Levis will work under. So I think you're right, Adam. I think people are too hard on Will Levis. However, I, I, I don't know that anyone really views him as this Josh. Allen. There were people who really legit bought into Josh Allen. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see that with Will Levis. Some other guys I think that the NFL is going to be higher on uh, Lucas Van Ness and his tape isn't isn't great but his like traits are off the charts. Um Darnell Washington it didn't
2: start at Iowa. What what was that all start, about? but
1: that's because basically um there was a senior starting ahead of him and it was one okay. of these like let's start the senior. Okay. He he played plenty. I wouldn't get too much. That's a good talking point, but yeah. Um I don't know that Will Anderson has as much, like clearly the best defensive player love that everyone thinks. I've talked mm. to a couple of teams who who have Tyree Wilson ahead of him. So I don't know that everyone sees him as a must-have top three or four player. Um, that's not necessarily the case. There's a lot of people who like uh, Devon Witherspoon way better than Christian Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. They just think they just don't think Christian Gonzalez for all his traits is as tough as Devin Witherspoon. But, you know, corner trying to project the market on that is really tough because teams have vastly different um, opinions on traits and, and playing style. So that can really – uh, be a or tricky one nobody's excited about Michael Mayer and, and yet oh, he could easily on. be the first tight end off the board and no one's excited about him but they all think he's do, do they not watch
2: tape I mean <laughs>
1: <laughs> but no one like they don't see juice but I think he's a better blocker than some I, I had one he's person so I had good. one team tell me hey, he's not that good a blocker I'm like he's a good block. what do you mean coming out none of these guys are good blockers coming out this guy's way ahead of the curb as a blocker coming out and I think you know, I think if he's Kyle Rudolph, you're fine. That's, that's fine. Could he be better than that? Yeah. He's way better than that. He could be better than that, but um, teams don't get super excited about him. Brian branch. They love the player. It's just, they don't love the speed and the testing. And I think Brian branch is going to fall back further than where his tape was. His tape is, is way, way better than where I think he's going to get drafted. Um, I don't know that Broderick Jones gets drafted as high. I'm a big Broderick Jones guy, but the teams I talk to, you know, they seem to like um, Paris Johnson and Darnell Wright better than Broderick Jones. I mm-hmm. think Broderick Jones is the best tackle, and I think Skaronski a guard. Just so you, you know, just sure. so we're clear on that. Um, I think Deontay Banks is going to get drafted ahead of ahead of uh, uh, Porter. I think teams like Porter, but they really fear that he's just a one scheme. Uh, press corner only and so those kind of guys sometimes can get pushed down it it seems to me that
2: joey porter jr is going to go later than people expect
1: i think he i think he could um same thing with keely ringo And, and some of this has already been fleshed out but like every time i watch tape and then i see early mock drafts from different people around draft twitter or um you know media members i'm like this guy has not watched enough of him or he hasn't watched him at all it's like Brian Breesey could get drafted in the first, but it'll have to be because somebody really wants defensive tackle. Um, I'm higher on Drew Sanders than the league is. I think the league is much lower on Drew Sanders. I think he could be a late first, maybe slide into the second. So, I, I you know, I'm, I, but I don't care. I'll fade the league. I don't care about that. It's not the first time I've faded the league. Um, and like Will McDonald, the league is really high on Will McDonald, but it's certain teams. They're high on him. And Jameer Gibbs, certain teams are very high on Jameer Gibbs. So, um, but I'm trying to look at. I'm what, about, to look um, at what about,
2: what about Anton Harrison? I, I've heard that some teams are really into him, but uh, I don't, that, that he's like going to go in the first round, but he doesn't seem to be considered super high. Anton Harrison. So the grades at, on oh, him Oklahoma. go
1: Yeah. The grades on him okay. go anywhere from late one to middle three. Okay. So okay. he's going to be a tough one. I'm going to stick with round two is my projection on
2: him oh that's right i read your draft profile and you you didn't seem to love him
1: uh i think he's gonna be an average starter i actually like him. my game is 62 which is you know a a good average nfl starter but um i i see you know there's some holes in his game that i think could be a problem i talked to a team the other day that just really didn't like him but i think he's pretty solid i I think i think there's a chance and i think there's a chance anton harrison could end up being a better tackle than than
2: Paris Johnson, um, uh, Jeremiah, we've noticed in his rankings, has Jordan Addison like extreme, like had him at number nine overall at one point, like his number nine overall player, right? Jordan Addison, um, and then had Jackson in, in uh, 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 yes, at um, at 23. And everybody has, like, if you look at the odds right now, it's like plus 400 to get Jordan Addison to be the first wide receiver drafted, and and uh, Jackson Smith and, and Jigba is like. A super heavy favor. What, what do you think about that?
1: Well, once again, I mean, because it's such a tricky draft. I mean, uh, you know, teams look at. So if you don't, if you don't mind a hundred and seventy-five pound wide receiver playing outside, a lot of people see Jackson Smith and Jigba as a, as a slot only. A lot of teams do. So, you know, it depends on. It depends on. You know, if you see him as a slot only, it kind of limits him a little bit. And then if you look at Jordan Addison. You see a bigger. I mean, you see a smaller wide receiver, but he can play inside, outside. Now we got to work through two tricky situations. Addison's production came down, and he had a Heisman winner this year, but you can make a case for the the fact that Kenny Pickett was just targeting him a ton last year. So you know, um, or in twenty twenty one. So you could you could get to that. You have Smith and Jigba, who had an incredible finish to one of the greatest six game finishes I've ever seen for a receiver ever in 2021 but then in 2022 pulls a hamstring he doesn't make it back there's questions about did he just sit out and protect his draft stock um you know he ran i think if he would have run a four five six which a lot of people thought he was going to i would say that that first wide receiver pick would be up in the air but now that he ran well he looked great at the combine like i had to bump his grade i was too low on him i had to bump his grade because he really his short area testing was elite um, watching him run his routes, he he, I could see where the separation could come. Like once you see him in person, it can be different than watching on tape. And at the combine, I'm like, okay, I'm too low on him. So, and you can't be afraid to to miss or to be wrong. Like you just got to try to be accurate. And so I wanted to be accurate, and so I, I raised my grade on him. He's going to be a better receiver than the day that I watched him. I only watched him that first day, and you know, I I, I just realized, okay, I was too hard on him that day. Um, but he didn't play last year can he play slot at the end of the day he's like 200 pounds and he has really strong hands and he tested well I don't I just don't see how he's not gonna be the first pick the first wide receiver off the board Zay Flowers you can make a case for Zay um, but Zay had some drop issues during the season so you got to work around that Jalen Hyatt who's a great vertical threat he's a one-way guy he's just a vertical guy and unless teams just say we, this is what we really need. You know, could he surprise? Sure he could, but I don't see him surprising in the top 20. So when you, are those numbers too high? Maybe. Um, I think Smith and Jigba, I would, I'm not Smith and Jigba, but um, Addison, I wouldn't have them that high, you know, where DJ has them. And yet when I talked to an NFL team the other day, they said they think it goes Smith and Jigba, um, Addison two, and then Zay Flowers three, and they think those are the only three wide receivers getting in the first. So I put, I put Addison as a first round projection, even though I have more of a early second round pick on him. Mm-hmm. And DJ talks to a lot of guys around the league, so when you're seeing DJ's top fifty, just keep in mind that it's it's going to be DJ's opinion, but he also shades it with a little bit of what he's hearing from from league personnel because DJ wants to be accurate and be right, sure. and so he'll have when you see a guy. The DJ has higher than everyone else. You should pay attention. Sure, sure. Same thing with I, when they're much lower than everyone else.
0: No doubt. I, I this feels to me like the NFL. And maybe it's just a uh, a function of this class, but they seem to be valuing slot receivers more than in the past. Like I five years ago, I feel like no one would take a strict slot receiver in the top twenty picks of the NFL draft. Feels like with the way the NFL has changed, they're more open to that now. Do you agree? that slot is gaining more importance inside NFL circles. I think Cooper
1: cup had a huge change, uh, you know, really changed that. Um, He works from the slot. And I remember thinking, I don't know if he's fast enough. Can he separate? We'll forget about it. He's a great route runner. He has great hands. He has great instincts with the ball in his hands or inside the route. He has great instincts. He plays at unbelievable speed. And what we found is that a team won a super bowl because they could re they could literally ride a slot receiver. And with those choice routes that he runs you know it it just it, it became too hard for teams to guard. and And what we're seeing now with the slot is you can mismatch people from the slot. And so you know, big wide receivers play from the slot, smaller wide receivers, speed wide receivers, possession receivers. I think you know, kind of like if you guys are basketball fans, so we went away from saying one, two, three, four, and five from a positional standpoint, and it got to be wing players, you're a wing player, you're a combo guard, you're a stretch four. All of the definitions started to change. And I think with wide receiver, it used to be, okay, small, fast guy in the slot. So we're going to get small, fast guy as a nickel. It's different now. Nickels can be 200-pound run thumpers, and you're going to play more zone, but you want to be able to sit in your nickel as a base and be able to stop the run. Um, You see faster wide receivers outside who aren't as big, like Tyreek Hill, but he can blaze. Like, he can really run. So what's the difference, especially if he can win – throws down the field which he can uniquely so for a player his his height um okay you got a big guy who you know possession well keenan keenan allen's changed a lot of that that guy's a good route runner but he's going to win contested catches as well so how about having a possession guy that's closer to the quarterback who can win michael thomas made a lot of his
2: money there you know
1: 100 percent, michael thomas so so now i think everyone's open to the fact that let's not get bogged down with This guy fits in this silo. This guy fits in this silo. Tank Dell is 163 pounds. He played in the 150s, University of Houston. Unguardable. Unguardable. And NFL teams lately, I I got a little pushback when a lot of the GMs hadn't really watched him when we were at Senior Bowl watching him, like, ah, he's so small and blah, blah, blah. And then once they watch him on tape, it's like, I mean, (sighs) He can't be guarded, and he's not hit oh, hard ladle, a lot. He's so small. So now they're yeah, then now they're trying to figure out. Like Calvin Austin got hurt for the Pittsburgh Steelers, yeah. and so you think, well, Don't Calvin Austin well. A, hasn't
2: been great. <laughs>
1: yeah, and so small receivers have have had a lot of trouble in the slot. However, you start pointing to Devonte Smith, like man, he's this guy's rail thin at one hundred and seventy some odd pounds, and he's tough. And Tank Dell never missed a game at University of Houston. He plays really fast. His separation and ball skills are phenomenal. Um, and he's an example of, like, this whole draft is full of outliers. 150-pound wide receiver, a, a sub-200-pound 5'10 quarterback, because I don't care how much water he had. Bryce Young's under 200 pounds when he plays. You've got, you know, Addison is 175. Josh Downs, who I love, is 171. Kalija Kansi is... Is like 280 to 285 at defensive tackle. It's a draft full of outliers. I've oh, never sounds yeah. like a Vaughn, shitty
2: draft. Yeah, yeah. Deuce Vaughn right. is
1: 177 pounds or whatever, and this guy's one of the toughest running backs in in the draft.
2: It's just. Draft I, 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 like, I like that we're getting. I like that we're getting a little deeper here. But let me let me bring it back to an inflection point because right, one ahead. of the draft's inflection points is Jalen Carter. Like, and, and I heard you you talk with uh, Dane uh, and uh, I, I came the uh, the other guy on the, on the Athletic. A podcast about Jalen Carter you guys had a pretty in-depth where's this guy gonna go because I, I feel like he could go number five to Seattle I think that's where you guys slotted him because you, you guys were doing a mock but I could also see him going as late as number 10 to the Eagles mm-hmm. you know and and really to almost any team in that range what do you think do you think he could slip a bit or what, what do you think is gonna happen yeah you gotta have some balls to take him and you gotta have a plan.
1: Um, so here's, here's one thing that would really concern me. Number one, Todd McShay had the info right. He got killed, but he was right. But I, I don't think there was any benefit to going with it as early as Todd went because, you know, it makes you look bad if you're Todd McShay. But he was accurate, though. There were some issues behind the scenes. Now, when Todd said all that stuff, it was before the street racing had happened. But that also should give you a heads up on this is a continuing issue. Um, after his last game of the regular season into the playoffs – Jalen Carter was out of shape for the Ohio state game. And he said, man, I was gassed. Um, And that was what five weeks off. And he was out of shape. Then he gets to his pro day and he's out of shape again. And he's heavier than he played at. And he can't finish the drills. These are two different breaks that he had where he's gotten out of shape. I really, and this is the biggest moment of his life. And you can, you know, you can definitely say, okay, well, he's dealing with a lot of stressful situations from, you know, from, uh, going from his the national championship to his pro day, we know he didn't get a chance to work out at the combine. It's stressful, and could he have been stress eating or or not working out or depressed or whatever? Yeah, absolutely, that's possible. But how do you explain him being completely gassed and out of shape when they played Ohio State? So I think my concern would be now we've seen a pattern of of immaturity there. Do we really want to take this chance? And I always harken back to Isaiah Wilson who was drafted by the Tennessee Titans. And that dude was out of the league before you knew it, like just didn't care enough about football and just super immature. And that was a first round pick that was literally burned by the Titans. Like he was burned after a year. It was done. And, uh, so that brings me to the, the Philadelphia Eagles. And you mentioned him, you mentioned the Eagles, they got Jordan Davis, and the word from NFL teams is that Jordan Davis is like a mentor to Jalen Carter. So if there's one team that would be down with drafting Jalen Carter that thinks that not only can they get the great player, but they, they have a mentor and a plan for him, it'd be the Eagles. Do they want to wait until 10? I don't think so. I think the Eagles could move up to eight ahead of Chicago. I think they could move up to seven, especially if one or two now quarterbacks start sliding. Now we're cooking. Yeah. And I think that, you know, to me, I, if I'm the Eagles and I got a chance to get Jalen Carter with his talent, and I think that I've got a plan in place to help with a mentor, man, I'm I'm talking about. I'm trying to win a Super Bowl. I'm right there on the cusp. I'm trying to do something that helps me win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Jalen Carter could you can afford to swing with Jalen Carter because you got a strong locker room and you got Nickobe Dean and Jordan Davis in there with you, yeah, they're former Georgia players.
0: And of course, the Eagles have a long history of drafting offensive and defensive line and putting a big priority on that for sure they've lost a ton of defensive pieces this offseason as well have the eagles i want to get to some listener questions before we run out of time here appreciate everyone who sent in questions from aging fantasy dad he says besides himself who in the public space does lance rate as a top evaluative talent and separately who does he rate highly for analyzing draft outcomes connecting the dots who are you following lance when it comes to draft and draft evaluation
1: well, I think I think Dane Brugler does a fantastic job. Um, the beast that he puts out. The uh, he and I do a podcast together for the Athletic. But I remember when he is at with NFL Draft Scout. Uh, Dane's been really good for a long time, and I think Dane scouts it like an NFL scout. He's had NFL teams reach out to him in the past about potentially working for them, and he's turned them down. I think Dane is a guy that you know we don't always agree with on every player, but we see him fairly similarly and i think our processes are similar and and i got a lot of respect for dane i think dj daniel jeremiah works his tail off daniel works hard daniel and i go through players throughout the year we'll talk about this guy i'll say hey you need to see this guy or this guy we'll go through our grades together and see how we see players similarly or different daniel puts a lot of time in i think since mayock left and daniel took over the mayock position he's really put the, the 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 pedal to the metal and has really increased the amount of players he looks at as well. So I think DJ does a great job. Um, You know, I don't – honestly, I don't really look at too many, and the reason I do that is I don't want any bias. Like, a lot of people are already putting stuff out there. I don't even like looking at mocks that much or top lists because it's easy to have – to get a bias. I don't like having a filter negative or positive about a player. So I'll wait to even write them up until I have enough tape to start. Like I usually don't get started until November. Mm-hmm. So I have a big enough body of work and then the quarterbacks, I won't even watch until December because I want to see all their throws. And uh, I try to avoid, honestly, I try to avoid it. Um, I know Matt Miller is a hustler. He really hustles Jordan Reed. I think he does a really good job. Um, I've seen Jordan since he's been coming up. I think he's working really hard. I mean, I'm probably leaving people out, but, um, you know, those are some guys that I'm just off the top of my head thinking of, but I try to, I try to avoid, I don't want to be. One of the hard things is if you keep hearing this name over and over, you don't want to start changing grades because you're scouting with your ears. Like, yep. you know, you want to trust your first instincts. And I've made that mistake before where I heard everyone be real negative on a guy that I may be like, like Darius Leonard, you like Darius Leonard, like a first rounder. And then people kind of, didn't see it that way. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I, maybe I need to back off of it. Well, that was stupid. I should have just trusted my eyes. And so I try to avoid those situations, to be honest. Now, as far as connecting the dots, you mean
0: information
1: source providers?
0: Yeah, or who who you, whose mock you like to look at, stuff like that.
1: Well, I always think Pete Schrager's mock is very interesting. Uh, Schrager came out with a really wild mock today because Pete's got some good sources. Like, we know Ian Rappaport is connected. Adam Schefter's connected. They don't do mock drafts. Schrager's got connections for different teams. And so I pay attention to what he says when, when Schrager has something um, I tend to pay attention to what, what he says. He's, he's a pretty good one, but I I do want to say this. So I'm in the huddle report mock uh, draft challenge and, you know, top 100 challenge. And this is on God. This is true. The people who win that they're not the big name guys. Like I'm one of the best big name guys on the board over the years but I know, I know, uh, Evan has done really well in the past, and you know, Rick Goslin used to get every. If Rick Goslin said it, it was the truth. Uh, Bob McGinn, who's got his own, not yeah. Substack, but he's like something like that. Bob yeah. McGinn has something like that
2: blog. It's called Go Long now. Go yeah. Long, dude. Yeah. Bob,
1: you want to look up Bob McGinn stuff, and if and if yeah. Rick Goslin ever had anything, it was the truth. Yeah. Um. He was so well connected. Nolan Rocky used to be really well connected, but. Um, the guys on the draft stuff on huddle report, I mean, there's just, there's just hustlers and draft out there who are doing it, who are winning those contests. So sure. I would just tell you that, you know, scout a little bit with your ears, take in the, what this guy says. And that guy says, that guy says, do your own work. And then try to study the teams and how the teams behave. Cause that's what you really need to know. And I, and I'm start, one thing I would, I would caution people against. Be careful about looking at odds and deciding deciding that the mock draft is going to be because the mock drafts are shifted by. I mean, I'm sorry, the odds at casinos right now I've noticed yeah. are heavily influenced They're, by just trust. mock drafts. Listen, They're just
0: guessing. You can bet $50 and move a line by 20, 50, 75 everything circled cents right anyway. Now. Like this yeah. Is, yeah, this is the I would totally agree that the market is not very efficient. It's just not very liquid. You mentioned uh Schefter and Rap sheet. There's been some crazy things at the top of the draft late. Like I didn't. No one had Trayvon Walker going number one until very uh, shortly before the draft. The, you the know Trey when Lance... I had it,
1: I had it three weeks before. But yeah. But, but I only said it on my oh, radio yeah. show. And you know where I got it from? I got it from an agent. And an agent told me, and it's not an agent for Trayvon Walker. This agent heard it, and it's an agent I trust. And then he, you know, he basically said it's going to be this guy. But he didn't tell me it was locked in stone. He just said Trent Baalke going to see him like Alden Smith. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. And so the more I thought about it and the traits and all that, and you start to yep. you start to realize, man, that's kind of like when I started distancing myself from C.J. Stroud with the second pick and started going Bryce Young with the first. You start realizing, man, if you really start thinking about this and you put pieces together, Trayvon Walker would make a lot of sense because he tested great at the combine. He has rare physical traits. He comes from a winning program, and yes, Trent Baalke came over from San Francisco where they had Alden Smith. So mm-hmm. you could see that. And so I started mentioning it on the radio show, um, started putting it out there on some different places, but you're right. He didn't go until he didn't, the odds didn't change on him until very
0: oh, late. Exactly. And I, and I guess my point is that like Schefter and Rapsheet and you know, all these guys, we love them. They're they so valuable to us as fantasy players, but they get misinformation a lot. And, you know, like, I know I already asked this kind of, but we got a question from Chris. He said, how often do teams actually intentionally release fake leaks? create smoke screens. I know you don't know for sure, but how often do you think these guys it's are It's not as lied much to. as people think. I yeah, I, I yeah. see
1: pe- people say this all the time. People think everything's a freaking smoke screen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, it's lion season. Oh, yeah. it's uh, a yeah. not lion season. lying season. Right. Oh, it's more smoke. A lot of times I follow up on that stuff and it ends up not being smoke or you watch after the draft and it's not it's not smoke. Okay. So, um, I still am puzzled how it gets out like Cause you would say, why would anyone want that information out? And right. I don't know how it gets out because sometimes it ends up being true, but yes, there are some things that will get leaked out there, but it's usually things like, like the Texans saying, D'Amico Ryan's came out and said, I like, we like two quarterbacks uh, a lot at the top of the draft. I don't know if that's true or not. Like, I know they like Bryce young, but I don't know for sure if that's true or not. I don't. Mm-hmm. And that's the way that you can leak it yourself. Some misinformation or some sure. smoke, but it may be he was telling the truth and we all may be shocked when the market rolls back around a CJ Stroud's the second pick and, and D'Amico Ryan's can say, I told you and everyone in Houston can tell me to fuck off because they're already mad at me for not giving them CJ Stroud <laughs> and for giving them Will Levis me trading up from 12. To seven, to take Will Levis almost got me kicked out of Houston.
0: <laughs> the fans were so pissed off. Uh, about yeah, They're angry for sure. We got a question from M Walk. He said, Daniel Jeremiah wrote about how the Patriots don't think like most teams in terms of positional value. Would love to hear if Lance views any other teams as process outliers in a similar way. We've seen the Patriots do some crazy things in the draft that nobody saw coming whatsoever. We've seen the Raiders do crazy things in the draft that nobody could Predictor, are there any other teams out there you can think of, Lance, that do weird things or outside well, of the norm?
1: You but you mentioned two teams that have had some high failure rates too. Yep. Like Bill Belichick's success rate has not been great over the last several years. Raiders were so heavy on traits that they, you know, sometimes overlook tape in the component enough. Um I most of the outliers are going to be more like um at certain positions. At certain positions. So one of the things that green you'll always notice that. New England always covets bigger, stronger ends with length. They don't have to be fast guys with electric speed. That, that's the
2: old Bill Parcells.
1: It is the old that, Bill that Parcells. Thing. And two, same thing with the 250 pound, you know, Juwan Bentleys and Alandon Roberts. Like they still haven't gotten the memo about 230 pound linebackers that can run and that speed's important. They're still looking for hammers. So they're at certain positions. They are like that. Obviously, Green Bay has. Um, they don't value wide receiver in the first, but we'll see if that changes now that that they don't have a Hall of Fame quarterback that we know of uh, pulling the trigger. Um, A lot of times the West Coast teams covet certain types of running backs, and so you have to know – and certain types of offensive linemen. So that's really more – their outlier is that they're willing to – and that's kind of changed a little bit. Um, It used to be you could take a 295-pound, 300-pound guard – undrafted or sixth round and and you could win with those guys Mm -hmm. somewhere along the line they started realizing let's go bigger so that we can win around the goal line also and these big guys can move a little better so let's change some of our size constraints on some of these guards um there are so the indianapolis colts and um seattle so the colts have Ballard, who was influenced by John Dorsey, who was influenced by the the, the Packer way. John Schneider came from the Packer way also. Mm-hmm. They are really big into a trait, so length, certain types of bend. Um, but from an outlier standpoint, you know Ballard hasn't drafted a wide receiver in the first round or a cornerback, and I think he believes that you can find he comes from a he comes from the school of you can find cornerbacks in, in, in the second round or third round, yeah. you can find wide receivers outside of the first round if you need to. So, um, but as far as the Patriot outlier, no, nobody's is. Yeah. Ever since Al Davis died and you know, it's the Patriots are the, the reigning champs of outlier draft. Yeah, It's hard to predict them.
0: I want to ask about the second running back off the board market. As we kind of ra- wrap up here, I think the assumption is it's going to be Jameer Gibbs. It sounds like you like Jameer Gibbs in the right scheme with the right set up but there's a lot of people that really like zach charbonnet how do you think the nfl views gibbs versus charbonnet who do you think will go first there
1: i think gibbs goes first um he's more dynamic charbonnet kind of has to he doesn't stop his feet and start his feet well so you have to have him in um in an offense a lot like you would run for derrick henry where it needs to be like an outside zone where he gets to really get the legs going and build up his speed and keep his feet moving. You don't want him off a lot of, you know, offset shotgun stuff as well. So, for me, Zach Charbonnet has to be in a certain type of offense. So, that that kind of starts to limit um, the amount of teams who could take him. When you look at Jameer Gibbs, because I comped him to Alvin Kamara because of how he plays, everybody could use that. Everybody can use a mismatch running back that can leave the backfield and, and, and force a linebacker. Or a safety on him, you know, anybody would would value that. So I think Jameer Gibbs, because he's more dynamic, is going to be the second guy off the board. And I I really don't know who the third back. I'm not sure. I think Charbonnet is going to be a third back off the board. I'm I'm going to check with teams to get slotting on running backs. So hopefully I'll know today or tomorrow. But um, right now those are clearly the one and the two. And then I'm I'm really interested to see where Roshan Johnson, Tank Bigsby, Mm -hmm. some of these other guys fit in as well.
0: Last question from the listeners I have is from Chris. He says, what's something Lance is most confident will happen in the draft? Anything you're super confident that maybe people aren't talking about that's going to happen in the draft?
1: Um, That people aren't talking about.
2: I would say that all the the commenters on their mock drafts and the internet are going to be really wrong when, (laughs) when, when all their certainty implodes for me, for me, me, I think
0: I'll, I'll give one for me while you think Lance, for me, I think that Will Levis is going to go in the top six picks, like almost for sure. And, uh, and yeah, that, that's just what I think. Well, I would say, I would say
1: two things. I feel, I think one quarterback falls. I feel pretty confident about that. I think three tight ends going to first, where I know, and that's the underdog, by the way, on the market, but I think yeah. three tight ends end up going first. And then um, I think another thing will be that I feel confident in is that there is going to hmm, – I feel confident that Philadelphia is going to make a big splash. You don't get that and, – and Buffalo too. I don't think you get that close. I don't think you get that close and not say – we need to take our shot right here. And I think both of those teams, Buffalo could aggressively move up for somebody. I think Philadelphia could make an aggressive move. And we talked about the Jalen Carter. That's just one example of something that they can do.
0: When you said three tight ends, you're referring to Kincaid, Mayer, and Darnell Washington, I assume? Probably,
1: yeah. I I had a team. I think Musgrave's better than Washington, but I was told by a team to plug Washington in at one. I still think he's... One, two, but apparently there's some teams at the back end that are kind of hot on Darnell Washington. So he's a guy to keep an eye on.
0: Interesting. Yes. Very big guy. Evan, anything else for Lance before hey, we let him get in? by the
1: way, could, could slip completely out because mm. he has not worked out. Mm. Um, that's one thing to keep an eye on.
2: Don't mm. underestimate so the Michael fact Mayer that... Michael Mayer might be the number one tight end. Yeah, here. so <laughs> when, a guy can, <laughs> yeah,
1: when a guy can't work out... Uh, oh, no, I think yeah. Michael Mayer is going to be the first tight end. All right. Well, it's he's plus funny to be the
2: first tight end right now.
1: Yeah, when, when a guy can't work out uh, before the during the draft process, even though to me, I don't need to see Dalton Kincaid work out, but I had a team comment that he looked really thin at his pro day, and they were questioning what his weight was at the pro day. Mm. They thought he looked like he was like 225 or 230. Mm. And so... Uh, he played at 241, so there's a chance that he was light like, like that. You could see teams say, "Eh, let's just wait on him," because teams are much more confident about waiting on players than fans are. That's just something I've noticed over the years.
2: For sure. No, no Lance. So, thanks so much, man. You were so generous with your time, and you, we need we need to let you go because this was just yeah. this is info
0: packed. Though, thanks so much. Yes, appreciate, yeah, you, appreciate it, Lance. Let the people know where they can find you, where they can where they can find your work.
1: Well, if you want to say nice things, it's at Lance Zerline on Twitter. If you don't, just go ahead and catch that block. Well, usually I like you <laughs> like muting because then they, yeah. they don't get their right. block badge. They yeah. just get muted, and then I basically ignore them for the rest of their lives. But if you come at me and you want to have a real discussion, man, I get into it with people all the time with real discussions and give my opinions. And um, as long as you come with some respect, man, I don't I don't mind having disagreements. Everyone has their own opinion. But just don't come at me, and the first thing you say is I'm an idiot, or I have no credibility, or putting a clown emoji out there. That's a good way for me not to not to interact with you. And then uh, you can check all my scouting reports at NFL.com. If you hit draft, you can go to prospects, and that's the 2023 draft tracker. And um, I think by tomorrow, all of my draft prospects this year will be like 475. They'll all be live. All the scouting reports will be
0: live. When's your next mock coming out? We're waiting with bated breath for your next mock.
1: Yeah, mock four is going to be, I think, a day before the draft. Okay. And that's my final one.
0: We will be looking forward to it. Be sure you're following, Lance. Really appreciate the time, man. I know it's a super, super busy week for you. Four. All
1: right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
0: Sure. For Lance, for Evan, for producer Luke, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody.